Welcome to Reading Around Macroeconomics. My name is Emil Kalinowski, and today's episode comes to you from Jeffrey P. Snyder, the head of global research for Alhambra Partners. And Alhambra Partners is where we go to to read his latest blog post. It was there on the 17th of September 2021, and the title is Practical Remainders and Reminders, with the tick part of practical capitalized. Yes, we're going to be going over one of the best reports to see what's happening in the monetary shadows. We're going to be going over July's data, and there's a couple of remainders that Jeff wants to bring to our attention, and let's get into it. As usual, a couple of additional odds and ends left over from Tick that are worth a few brief mentions, and then a reminder of the caveats which come along with them and all the interpretations. Number one, first up, China. According to the latest Tick data, mainland China added a few billion to its UST holdings during July 2020, while those belonging to someone, China, posting through Belgium declined by a few billion more. I think Jeff did it a, a, techn, a typo here. I think he meant to write July 2021. Okay. Netting the two, a small decline otherwise more consistent with a weaker CNY, rising dollar, and yet that was the month when the Chinese currency really traded in its suspiciously narrow range. There isn't a one-to-one with what's in tick, meaning that CNY can and does move independently of what might be indicated in China's holdings of treasuries. At the same time, the latter can be noisy in the short run, being affected by who knows what. See below at the end. With data constraints, communist priorities, and a whole range of stealth capabilities beyond our capabilities to uncover. But July's tick does continue the weaker CNY trend, or more in line with the dollar shortage indications all over the place, whatever is up. After August 20, that's been Yuan slightly with the Chinese. Number two, next, this might turn out to be a much bigger deal down the road, maybe even soon, but for now, it is just a single monthly negative. Private net activity in reported U.S. dollar corporates. For the first time since last December, tick shows a sharp drop, meaning on net, more corporate securities were sold than bought. As you can see above, and he's got a graph, this was one of the first indications from late 2018 that euro dollar number four was turning pretty nasty, heading through its landmine and on into 2019. It also related to collateral, as junk corporates were the primary infection of the global US dollar collateral pool, meaning the growing rejection of them was almost certainly expressed in repo and derivatives, securities lending, by bigger haircuts, risk aversion, a falling collateral multiplier, hurting participants more and more into the only 
the best quality collateral eventual bottleneck. For the first three months of this year, foreigners were all over corporate bronze, and while Tick doesn't break it down by type, how much was junk, we don't know. We can reasonably surmise there was probably quite a bit of risk-taking given especially January and February inflation hysteria, predicated on a far more optimistic view of the global economy, therefore reduced risks generally. <clears throat> the favorability faded by June, and now this net selling in July. If it remains just the one month, maybe nothing more than technical reasons or seasonal quirks or UFOs. Should it continue over subsequent months, then like overall net selling, this would be a key warning to take under advisement. Finally, Point number three, in response to what's suggested by two of the last three months being net negative headline tick, growing systemic dollar shortage, the official side has remained relatively muted. For July, just barely a net minus. There was the big, one big month of net official buying, the one when USTs were falling to their lowest recent price, the opposite of how it's supposed to work by conventional views and that big month just so happened to be also the peak in reflation this actually makes sense more offshore dollars reflation prices for safe and liquid instruments fall bond route overseas officials are able to add more u.s dollar assets to their reserves even as they lose value then comes the Inevitable? Opposite. USTs begin to rise in price, yet foreign reserve managers sell them as a means to offset the reason for the falling yields that come with rising bonds. Dollar shortage as higher deflationary potential, therefore lower growth slash inflation expectations, which by since 2012 has forced officials, not just Chinese, to deal with the monetary shortage by mobilizing reserves. They don't just, quote-unquote, sell treasuries, though many appealing to the purposefully hidden use of, quote-unquote, contingent liabilities. Thus, when TIC shows foreign official net selling of USTs, the main reserve asset, it indicates dollar shortage though to a degree which isn't likely described only by that selling. We know by this visible behavior, central banks are acting in response to a euro-dollar shortfall because we can see it here. But what else are they doing at the same time? Almost always, there's more to it. In our current case, the July 2021 tick estimates the pendulum has swung back in the other direction from reflationary monetary relaxation back toward shortage. Basically, consistent with everything else we find this in this data, as well as market prices, etc. Even if we don't know the full extent of what's being done about it. Deflationary potential up. Caveats. The tick data broadly speaking, 
is incredibly helpful and informative as one of the few sources for cross-border flows, even if it was never intended to be used in this fashion. However, what's missing from it is a third piece which remains completely absent. What I mean is, TIC captures bank data and asset flows from the U.S. to outside, as well as from outside into the U.S. The banking data is broken down specifically into those two categories from the perspective of U.S. banks, and this technical term also includes domestic subsidiaries of foreign parents. The first is what I call the, and color, the blue. U.S. banks who lend to, claims on, overseas counterparties. And then the red, U.S. banks who borrow from, payable to, overseas counterparties. This lending-borrowing data in both directions also includes a small window into securities lending, the lending-borrowing of securities either explicitly held in repo or for in other ways that eventually lead back to collateral in repo derivatives, transformation. What TIG does not capture, or even go after, because it cannot, is the vast, likely larger piece of the offshore to offshore. It does get some U.S. to overseas, and then some overseas to U.S., but there is Nothing, absolutely nothing, even the best BIS data is wildly incomplete about overseas to overseas. You get a bank in the U.S. doing something with a bank or non-bank in the Caymans. <clears throat> Some of it, not all, shows up on tick. That bank in the Caymans <clears throat> doing something in dollars with a bank in Singapore? Ghost. This can account for most of why tick can seem noisy at times and even contradictory at others. In the short run, just too many unknowns and too much left out of the data collection. In other words, why, even though this is all really good stuff, better than most, we still have to be careful about drawing too many individual conclusions. You can start with tick and what might be indicated within it. But that just means there's more work to do. The chief benefit is, unlike most who don't know or can't read the data, which is pretty much everyone, you at least know in which direction to start looking. Was that a wise decision to read out loud a, a, a blog post that is heavily emphasizing charts and the most complicated charts and topic of all the topics that we discuss with Jeff, Treasury International Capital and the report, what it captures. Maybe, maybe it was, but if your curiosity was piqued, I highly recommend that you go and check out and read the piece and also part one of this piece, which was posted on the same day, September 17th, 2021. That first part was called Dollar Warning Update from the Islands Without Started It. But I think Jeff said it best at the very end, basically. It's incomplete. This reading to you is incomplete. You have to imagine some of the 
the words and the pictures that Jeff is, is writing out, but at least you know which direction. You get a sense of which direction things are going in. Now, we were discussing July's data, and I know that the deflationary grip of the python that's wrapped around the global economy was strongest in May, June, and July. I think in August, the case count of the Covidica peaked, and I think in August and September, things have been a little bit more reflationary, at least towards the end of August. So maybe in future episodes when we discuss tick, we'll see a relaxation, uh, a bounce back that's taking place. Maybe. We shall see. Stay tuned.